This is history for the future. What we can learn from the TRC with Pippa Green. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission held its first human rights violations hearing just over 20 years ago in a packed East London City Hall. It would not be by nursing grudges, it would not be by tit-for-tatting, but it would be by seeking to understand why people did what they did when they did it. It dealt with some of the worst human rights violations of the apartheid era, including the case of the Craddock Four, who had been abducted and murdered as they drove home from Port Elizabeth in June 1985. The murdered men were teachers and civic leaders from the township of Lingelitle outside Craddock. Matthew Goniwe, Fort Talata, Sparrow Mkonto and Sikrelo Mklawuli. Their widows were among the first to testify before the Truth Commission. It was chaired by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, resplendent that day in purple robes. Numondi Kalata recounted how she'd read in the newspaper that her husband's burnt-out car had been found. She'd gone to the Ganiwa house and found Niameke, his wife, crying terribly in her words. Recounting this to the TRC, Numondi Kalata wailed in grief, a sound that reverberated around the world. <laughs> On the second day, former political prisoner, the wheelchair-bound Singkokwana Ernest Marchas, recounted how he'd been tortured, how his house was burnt down and how acid was poured over his son, who later died. When he described the torture, how he was suffocated with a mask and a stick put on the inside of his knees to suspend him, he broke down. So too did Tutu. The cleric famed for his opposition to apartheid steered the TRC through a remarkable journey. The TRC had three arms the Human Rights Violations Committee, the Amnesty Committee, and the Reparations and Rehabilitation Committee. More than 21,000 victims made statements to the Human Rights Violations Committee. More than 7,000 perpetrators applied for amnesty. Of these, only 849 were granted it, but there have been relatively few subsequent prosecutions. I spoke to the Archbishop just before the 20th anniversary to ask him to reflect on the strengths and weaknesses of the Commission, and to assess how far we are on the road to reconciliation. I believe for people who for so long had not had the chance to express themselves, it, it gave a very wonderful opportunity uh, for them to come out and you know, be given a, a national platform in which to uh, tell their story. For very many of them, that was enough, you know, enough that acknowledgement, that recognition uh, made up for all of the awfulnesses of the past. I think, I mean, most of them didn't really quite believe it. 
uh, that they would and we've got to commend the media here very very strongly that uh, the, the media were amazing in 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 how they affirmed the process and and told the stories of people who up to then were regarded and treated as non-entities and and yes it was a it was a grueling process uh, as you might recall i mean especially i mean that first day in, when right at the end i i i i broke down uh, because uh, the 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 person who was uh, testifying i think broke down too as he told his story uh, and 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 yeah we we became i think quite rightly the flavor of the month as a, as a people what did we do really to to deserve that to deserve being flavor of the month given the terrible things of the past that had yes. that had happened yeah. i i i i think i mean that we we were we were we were very blessed that um we should have had as our president someone who had gone into prison as a as an angry relatively young man who emerged uh showing that it was possible uh to to change from being uh said sort of almost bloodthirsty to someone who could appreciate the point of view of the other at at one point we were we subpoenaed uh, the the old crocodile and he was quite determined that he would not come before the TRC uh now i mean we we had the legal powers to subpoena him and if he uh, uh, ignored the subpoena he could have been arrested madiba's uh, amazing generosity of spirit which showed i mean it was it was something that had got quite deep into him uh, he said i should go back to uh, pw and say to him if he was thinking that uh, this was designed to um uh show him up madiba gave him the promise that he would come to that hearing and sit next to him 
Was there ever a possibility that the TRC could have dealt with the structural violations of apartheid? For instance, the denial of equal education or of economic opportunities, the massive forced removals and so on. We would have had to be there for quite a, a while. Uh, I mean, we, one hoped that now that we had a democratic uh, government led by someone of the stature of Madiba, uh, that those things would be the things that our government would uh, realize it, they had to happen uh, for the sake of the people who had waited so long, who had suffered so long. And the In a way, the tragedy of now is uh, the fact that we can still have people living in the kind of uh, conditions that so many of our people uh, still have to tolerate. Um, obviously, no one expected that we were going to have everybody living in a mansion. But I think that with proper planning, we could have ensured that most of our people would live in decent homes. When you look at some of the 
houses that were built, and sadly, I mean, uh, this happened uh, in, in, in Madiba's time, uh, the RDP, so-called houses, uh, they really were a disgrace. Uh, and they were they they were an insult to people who had waited for so long. And again, I mean, one is saying it isn't that you were looking for having people have mansions, but you were looking for people to have decent homes. I mean, to have to say as we could say that I mean the the, the, the houses that I I remember I mean the the the, the, house, the home that I lived in in in, in Krugerstorp under apartheid was a far better structure than the RDP houses. I mean they had two windows, you know. I mean uh, and. They, they, they looked like, I mean, it was things that were put up uh, with no one caring really about who was going to live in them. And, and I'm, not, I'm not seeking to clobber <laughs> the, the authorities, it's, because it's, it's quite easy, I mean, uh, when you are, have not have to deal with the actual uh, problems, maybe to be theoretical. But I, 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 I think they let themselves down, they let us, uh, us down, they let those people who came to testify before the, the commission down. And of course, I mean, it's, it's, it's in fact got worse because when you think of Nkanda, uh, I mean, you say, how could anybody who had lived through apartheid and lived through all of that discrimination have been able to accept that they would they would they would agree for for them to have so much money spent on a on a building uh, for one person e even when that person is is the president i mean we have we didn't hear i mean that madeba he had he had a, a nice home in in Houghton, but it wasn't it wasn't ostentatious. It was it was a decent home, uh, and yeah, you were, you wanted uh, you wanted him to have a nice home for all the things that he had done. Uh, but I, I I mean I think that he he would have been the very first uh, to reject uh, anything being done specially for him. 
it's not only that it's ostentatious, it might not be, but the, that there was a lot of overcharging for items, so money in people's pockets, so also linked to yeah, the um, corruption that is, that is currently our problem in the country. It is totally unacceptable. You know, I mean, you don't want, you, you don't want to be clobbering people and uh, making out that you are uh, better than. But it is actually very difficult to understand how you could agree to have those millions spent on one establishment when a similar investment would have given quite a few people decent homes. It's not, it's, you're not being political, you're not being anti-Zuma, you're not being anti-ANC, you're just saying, man, do you realize what the struggle was for? Do you realize uh, that these people in different kinds of ways sacrificed uh, and, and, and expected that by now they, they, would, they would have a government that was really sympathetic, not just by, I mean, verbally, but was sympathetic in its actions, uh, in the things that it did and in the things that it didn't do. Ironically, in spite of those sacrifices, there is a strong narrative in the wake of the university protests that the TRC was a sellout and that even Mandela himself was a sellout. Well, I mean, all we have to say to people is, had you been there, you would have realised that had we gone the other route, there would be very few around. I mean, the, 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 the apartheid uh, government was armed to the teeth and any uprising would have uh, I mean, been a dead dodo, you know. Uh, that is one thing. But it was also short-sighted in, in, in so far as you're saying all you would be doing is perpetuating uh, the sense of being hard done by. Uh, I, 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 I hope, I mean, I hope that the, the young people will read history properly. Um, and, and, and realize that uh, those who, 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 who made accommodations with the Africana were not cowards. I mean, you can't be a coward when, when you were the commander-in-chief of Mkondo Esizwe. You are not cowards. Uh, when you spend uh, 
27 years in jail. Uh, and all of these are, are the people who uh, were involved in, in the Armstrong, an unequal Armstrong, you know. Everybody knew that it was unequal. Facing tanks, armored vehicles, and, 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 and the Air Force with very little, really. Uh, that they were they were amazing in in having decided that they were going to stand up against all of that uh, uh, and this does not mean I mean that they should not they should not uh, be critical. We want them. I mean, we love we love to have our children uh, be be critical, uh, call in question the things that we, uh, we 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 take for granted or assumptions. But one hopes that just as the goal we are looking for is just, a just goal, a noble goal, so also uh, they are the methods of getting to that goal ought to be. Uh, because it's, it's I, I was looking at a newspaper the other day, uh, I think it was a Sunday newspaper, and it was showing uh, you get pictures of a number of people who were sent to the gallows for being involved in the in the in the resistance movement, uh, and and they were describing how uh, quite a few of those people when they when they when they went into to be to be hanged uh, were singing, uh, and I would have thought that that would touch our hearts to know that uh, today we are able uh, to live wherever we wish. To, yeah, I mean, basically to have anything we want, uh, that this has come about by the sacrifice of those people. Uh, it, it didn't, it's not something that just uh, floated down from heaven. It was not manna coming down from heaven. Uh, it was that many, many people uh, sacrificed. Some did so by laying down their lives, others by going into exile, uh, and others still uh, worked within the constraints 
of a very, very repressive system um, and did all they could to subvert that system. And I, I, I would hope, I mean, that uh, uh, our, our young people would be uh, a, a little more appreciative of, uh, of just what it meant uh, to be in an apartheid uh, South Africa. <laughs> the Truth Commission was about the, the act that brought it into being, about yeah. the promotion of national unity and reconciliation. Yeah. Where do you think we are in terms of reconciliation today? And what would you like the legacy of the Truth Commission to be? <laughs> I, I, um, I think like many people, one is saddened by the sort of upsurge of racism and, and all of that. But there, there is a difference, uh, you know, from the times when we were uh, struggling in that many more people are appalled even those who are uh, more privileged who can say no thus far and no further you know um, and, and, and not be willing uh, to kowtow, uh, 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 I, I know, I mean, that, I, well, to some extent I know, uh, yeah, young people are very impatient, uh, young people uh, reckon, I mean, that uh, they, they are their fathers, their forebears, uh, Maybe cowardly, uh, they they ought to have um, um, just got up and clobbered these uh, uh, the people who are oppressed. But of course, it's it's easy now uh, to be able to say that um, when and I mean forgetting just how South Africa was structured. The black community was encamped, you know, uh, they were, it was easy to control them. Guns and ammunition were mainly in the hands of, of uh, the supporters of apartheid. Uh, and I, I would hope they would say thank you for what you have done. It's not perfect, uh, but we will try to perfect it. <laughs> that was Archbishop Desmond Tutu interviewed in Cape Town on the 29th of March 2016. I'm Pippa Green in Cape Town. Produced by Jean-Michel with thanks to the Cape Town Youth Choir for the use of their musical performance of Senzani Na and credit to the SABC archive for the original sound from the TRC. You've just listened to History for the Future, what we can learn from the TRC. 
Keep listening for more insights into the state of reconciliation in South Africa. Then and now.